few years ago, I decided to take the fam over to the Denver Nuggets game. Uh, at that time, the Nuggets were in last place in their conference. They were like the cellar dwellers of the NBA, like the worst of the worst teams. Things are better now, but back in the day, really bad. And um, I was just amazed at all of the energy in the room. It was, it was really amazing uh, there at the Nuggets game. And um, the dancers were dancing, and people were painting their faces, you know, gold and, and light blue. And people had their jerseys on of their favorite players, even though the players were terrible. You know, people had their jerseys on. People had their Mardi Gras beads on. Uh, Rocky the mascot uh, was there, and we got our picture made with Rocky, uh, the fantastic. You know, you know, it's, the team is bad when you get more excited about the mascot than you do about the team. And um, I mean, the adrenaline was pumping, though. People were screaming, people were cheering, people were clapping, people were just going crazy for the Nuggets, and we were getting drilled. And I left the game. That afternoon, or that, that evening, and I thought, you know, I wish that people would get as excited about Jesus as they did about the losing nuggets. I mean, can you imagine what it would be like in our corporate worship experiences if we came to worship God with the same intensity that people go to a ball game with? What would that be like? It would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? What would your prayer life be like? What would your devotional life be like if you brought the, the same passion and the same intensity to that time with God as you do when you go watch your favorite team? What would that be like? What would that look like? Today, I, I've titled the message, My Praise is, is Greater Than My Panic. Praise is Greater Than My Panic. We've been in a series over the last few weeks called Panic Attack. We've been talking about dealing with anxiety in our life. And I am thoroughly convinced that praise is perhaps the greatest tool, the greatest weapon that we have to combat anxiety. Praise is giving God the credit, giving God the attention, giving God the admiration that He truly deserves. And God doesn't need to be praised because God's ego needs to be stroked. He needs to be praised because he really is that great. He really is amazing. Do you believe it? And, and, and church family, if we could just get our praise on, if we could get our praise at the intensity that God wants it to be, it would begin to push aside our panic. Our praise is greater than our panic. Praise is an untapped power that we have. And when we praise God, it shows our confidence in Him. It strengthens our faith. It helps us repel depression. And it begins to bring peace and joy into our own experience. It's a powerful thing. Praise renews our strength. What would your life be like if you had a little more praise? Psalm 146 is one of those great passages in the Old Testament that that is all about the praise of God. And I want us to turn our attention to these verses today as we talk about how our praise can be greater than our panic. And there's three stages of Psalm 146. I want to 
outline this for you. The first is the determination phase. And uh, this is where we just decide that we're going to be a person of praise. Now, David is credited with the authorship of Psalm 146. He was the second king of Israel. He was a shepherd boy, took down Goliath. Maybe you've heard of him before. Pretty famous guy. But David decides praise is going to be part of his, his worship and his experience. And, and in verse 1 and 2 of Psalm 146, he begins by saying, Hallelujah. Hallelujah, my soul, praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. As long as I live. And he uses that great word, hallelujah. The, the psalm begins with the word hallelujah. Hallelujah is a Hebrew word. It wasn't translated uh, into the English text. Hallelujah is Hebrew. And, and basically, hallelujah, hallelujah means to praise and Yah means God. So it means to praise God. More specifically, the word hallelujah means to go crazy about God is what it means. It means you get totally pumped about God. It means you lose your mind when you think about the greatness and the bigness of God. Hallelujah. And he says, my soul praises the Lord. Uh, David praises God from the core of his being, from the deepest part of his personhood, he is, he is communing with God. And, and, and praise is one of the most spiritual practices that, that we can ever participate in in our life. I mean, praise is like from the deepest bit of our core. We're, 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 we're giving that, that attention and that, that admiration to God. And he says, hallelujah, my soul praises the Lord. My soul praises the Lord. All, all of the last five psalms, there's 150 chapters, beginning in Psalm 146, all the way to Psalm 150, they all begin with the word hallelujah. It's kind of interesting. This is the hallelujah section of the book of Psalm, the psalms. Uh, and we have to make a decision to praise. Now, I love the determination here of the author. Do you see it? I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. There's a determination. Listen, if you're going to be a person of praise, you have to decide that no matter how good or how bad things are going in your life, you're going to praise God. And, and, you know, King David went through some bad times. We call him King David. But before he was king, he was a shepherd boy. And early in our series, we talked about how his own son Absalom tried to take the throne from him. And he had to flee the capital city of Jerusalem. And he wrote a psalm about that experience. And David went through other heartbreaking experiences. Saul was his mentor, the first king of Israel. And he got kind of jealous because David was so gifted and, and David had to go hide and, and uh, almost lost his life as uh, the man he looked up to so much was trying to kill him. I mean, we could go on and on through the pages of history with King David. We know more about King David than almost any character in the Old Testament. David had some climactic moments. He had some good moments, but he had some bad moments too. But no matter how good things were or no matter how bad things were, he resolved in his heart to be a person of praise. To be that person of praise. And he says, I will praise the Lord all my 
life, all my life. Uh, This is a conversation that David is having with himself. You know, maybe you have some conversations with yourself, you know. Maybe you've said, does my butt look big in these jeans? You know, or, or maybe you said, I'll start the diet tomorrow or don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. And then you say it anyway. Maybe you've had those conversations. It, David's talking to himself here as he writes this psalm and, and he is resolved to praise God. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. In other words, it is a necessity, not a luxury I need to put all of me into it, and as long as I live, I will praise God. David worships from the soul. And it's not a matter of if, it is a matter of I will. It's a determination. I mean, David's like, I will not be stopped. Let me ask you today, what will you be doing on your deathbed? What will you be doing at the end of your life? What What will you be doing because it is just so much interwoven into the core of who you are that you can't stop it? David says, man, I'm a person of praise. I I can't not praise God. Have you ever just been in the habit of doing something so much you do it subconsciously? You do it without thinking about it. David's just giving praise to God. Man, all my life, from the beginning to the end, I want to praise God. And he says, I will. I will do it. With my dying breath, man, I'm going to praise the Lord. Praise. Praising God can be something that we do corporately here at church. That's why I encourage you to be here every weekend here at Edge Church. So there's something beautiful and magnificent about the people of God gathering together and corporately worshiping. But praise can also be something that's done at home when you have prayer and devotional times and you spend time thinking about the things of God, that can be exciting too. Um, But did you know we can also praise God by telling people about the great things that he's done? And I think perhaps one of the greatest witnesses that, that we have as the church is to talk about the great things of God. We ought to be talking more about the things of God, shouldn't we? You know, sometimes it's kind of intimidating to talk to people that don't have faith. If you are a person of faith, it's kind of like, what do I say? You know, I don't want to be offensive. But, but I think praise, perhaps, may be the greatest ticket that we have. Because when we begin to praise God for what he's done, we begin to tell people, hey, I didn't know what to do. And God opened up a door. I didn't know what to say and God gave me some wisdom. I was so discouraged and I was so down and out, but God lifted me up. And you begin to tell people that who don't know the Lord, what does that do? That provokes a conversation, a response. Because, you know, a lot of people today think that God is just, you know, some force in the universe that is not really involved with the details of our lives. God is just far and away. You begin to talk about God like that, people are like, well, well, tell me about that. I've felt that way too. Maybe God could help me. And David is consistently, faithfully talking about the great things of God. What if we gave God more praise at the office? 
What if we talked more about the great things of God in the neighborhood? What if we gave God more praise in our community? What would it look like? Oh, it'd be beautiful. There's a determination phase. I'm deciding to praise God. This is not an obligation or a duty. This is from a transformed heart. Listen, when the gospel takes root in your heart, you cannot stop praising God. You know that God has raised you up. You know that God has delivered you. You know that God is moving in your life. How can you not give the praise to the Lord? How could it not happen? But there's also a distraction phase. And the distraction phase is when we get our eyes on people more than on the Lord. And David acknowledges this, and this is something that we all struggle with because he says here in verse 3, Do not trust in nobles in a son of man who cannot save. When his breath leaves him, he returns to the ground, and on that day he plans, his plans die. In other words, a noble is a person of influence. You see, a lot of times we don't praise God because we believe that people have the answer to our problems. You know, we really believe that our boss holds the fate of our career. And what they say about our future is reality. Or or what our friends say, or what our family says, or, or what maybe this one individual who has so much authority, what they say, and we look to people. But as long as we're looking at people, it takes our eyes off of God. And we can't be people of praise if all we do is worry about what man says, what people say. We get distracted. So we can have the greatest intentions and the greatest desires to praise God. But but when we start looking at, at folks, at people, we can get distracted. You know, a few years ago, we were getting ready to start Edge Church And I thought that some of my friends were going to really get behind me and really help get this church going. And I was so optimistic. And I was kind of discouraged because some of the people that I thought were going to help us the most did the least. And they weren't obligated, you know, to do anything. And nobody did anything like wrong. But I just thought a few of my friends would back me a little bit more. Maybe you felt that way. And I got kind of discouraged about it. And maybe I started to kind of tiptoe up to the edge of bitterness. But I also realized that God sent me some different people that I never knew before, that I never counted on, who were even a bigger blessing than I thought my friends would be. That's God. You see, people don't hold your fate in their hand. God does. That's why we praise God, not man. Are your eyes too much on people? Maybe you feel bitter because somebody didn't stand by you. Somebody didn't help you. Somebody wasn't with you. Somebody didn't didn't deliver when you needed them to. But remember also that you serve a sovereign God. And God holds everything in the palm of his hand. So see, we we don't live with the fear of people. We live by the fear of God. We're looking at him all the time. I don't have time to look at all the crazy people. I got my eyes on him. I'm praising God. Amen. Amen. And see, this is why we don't praise. It's because we're looking at people. We're looking at people, not at God. You can't praise if you're worried about what people think. 
He says in verse 3, do not, do not, do you see it? Do not trust in nobles. This is a command right here. Don't fall into the trap. There's the, it, it, it's a subtle trap. It's easy to begin to look at people because you can see people. You can talk to people. You can have a, like a live conversation. So it, it's easy to trust in people. But ultimately, we trust in God. In verse 4, he says, people die. In other words, people come and people go. But God is the one remaining consistent presence in our life. God is the one we can always count on. So we're looking to God. We're praising God. And then in verse 5, he gives us some serious motivation to praise. He says, happy is the one whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God. I love that word happy in the Bible. Don't you love that? Isn't that good? I'm like, I want to know what that is. Well, happiness is tied to praise. And he says, when your hope is in the Lord, then you'll be happy. You'll be happy. You won't be so anxious. Your praise will be greater than your panic. You won't be so discouraged because your hope is in the Lord. Happy is the one whose help is in God. Are you looking to God? Are you looking to people? Now, he uses the phrase here, the God of Jacob. Now, it's kind of an interesting phrase, and this phrase is used throughout Scripture, the God of Jacob. What does the Bible mean when it talks about the God of Jacob? Well, well Jacob was the guy in the Old Testament that was the schemer. He was the trickster. Jacob was the guy that was very self-dependent. He was always working a little side deal, ripping people off, tricking his brother, stealing from his father-in-law. Jacob was a master manipulator. But you know what? God showed up one day. And at Bethel, he had an amazing encounter with God. And God changed his heart. Jacob is one of the greatest examples in Scripture of a transformed man. He starts self-indulgent, self-focused. The end of his life, he's God-focused. He's a man of praise. I love this phrase, the God of Jacob, because it reminds us that crooked, broken, screwed-up people can turn to an amazing God. And God redeems poor and broken and needy people, the God of Jacob. And it feels good to praise, doesn't it? I mean, happy is the one whose help is in the Lord. Man, when we give God some praise, it feels good. But there's also a developmental phase. And that is, I will build a life of praise by getting to know God. Now, see, I'm a why guy. And if the Bible says it, I'm okay doing it. But a lot of times I wonder, why did God say that? Why would God want me to be a person of praise? Why is praise so significant and so important? Maybe, maybe you've thought that. Maybe you're thinking that right now. The psalmist gives us several examples of why we should praise God. And if you're a why guy, you're going to love this because, because he, he, he lays it out here in verses 6 to 9. The maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, he remains faithful forever, executing justice for the exploited 
And giving food to the hungry, the Lord frees prisoners, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind, the Lord raises up those who are oppressed, the Lord loves the righteous, the Lord protects resident aliens and helps the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. And there's a bunch of stuff loaded in there about the nature and the divine character of of God, but... See, one of the reasons we don't praise God is because we don't know who God is. And if you don't know God, how can you praise him? You have to get to know God. When you get to know God, you cannot help but praise him. You cannot stop praising him. If you're not praising God, you don't understand who God is. Because if you did, you would have a different outlook. And David gives us a whole host of of reasons and answers here about praise. Number one, he says we ought to praise God because he's our creator in verse 6. Look at that, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. You know, if you struggle praising God, look up at the sky. Look at the moon. Look at the mountains, for crying out loud. God is good. I know I'm always driving west when I see the mountains. You know, that's one of the great things in Denver, amen? When you get lost, where are the mountains? Okay, that helps a little bit. But also, the mountains are one of the greatest indicators of the power and the creativity of God. God is a creator. And if God could create the heavens and the moons and the stars and the planets, and God could create you. God is a genius. One of the reasons we praise God is because he's the one that created us in the beginning. God even created you. Psalm 139 says that he beautifully, wonderfully knit you together in your mother's womb. God put all of the details together about your life. If you like yourself, you ought to say, praise God. Thank you for creating me, Lord. You know? If you don't like yourself, you ought to say, God created me. Maybe I should get to know why he created me this way. But God is the creator. God made you. We started getting in touch at the Heller household a little bit more with creation, so to speak, when everything was locked down in the beginning of Corona. Everyone was at home all day. My wife began to talk to the squirrels. Yeah. Sitting at home a lot can, can, can make you talk to squirrels, can it not? And she began feeding the squirrels and, you know, communicating with the squirrels a little bit, the best that people can, and feeding the squirrels. And my cat, my house cat, likes to get up next to the kitchen door and talk to the squirrels through the glass. They have... They have like a a friendship, you know. It's awesome. Squirrels are funny, man, because they always look at you from the side eye. You know what I'm saying? Like most animals look directly at you. You know you're talking to a squirrel if they're doing this. And squirrels think if they get still that they're invisible. That's why they run out in the middle of the street and pause, right? You're like, you could have made it across. And you stopped. We also started getting to know the birds. Gina downloaded a bird song app 
Every time you hear a bird sing, you can hold your phone up and it will discern what the species of bird is. Is that awesome or what? Is that life in the 21st century? And she learned that during different seasons, the same birds have different calls. So if it's mating season, a male will make certain noises to attract females but during the rest of the year, when he just wants to hang out with his friends, he sings a different song. And the bird app will give you all the information. Then you can go and log on what birds you're finding in your neighborhood so all your neighbors can know what species roam in your hood. Is that cool or what? Pretty amazing. You know, when I think about all of the species of birds. I think about the songs that they sing. I think about big birds and little birds and in-between birds and all different colors and shades of birds. It reminds me of a creator God. God is a genius. God created the birds. We have 400 species of birds that just live in our own state. Come on now. Amazing. Where did all that come from? It came from the creator. And when we look at God's creation, whether it's people, animals, or the mountains, we should look to the heavens and we should say, praise God for what he's done. The genius of God. The genius of God. It also says he's faithful. He's faithful. Look at the end of verse 6. He remains faithful forever. God always finishes the things that he begins. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he, he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. God finishes what he starts. God doesn't start things and then, you know, kind of like, I'll see you later, good luck, you know. Maybe you're in the middle of a marriage that's conflicted. I want you to know today, God finishes what he starts. God doesn't leave us hanging. God doesn't start things and then just wave goodbye. God is faithful. He comforts us when we're sad. Matthew chapter 5 verse 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. God is in the business of comforting people. He's faithful. You can always count on God. God will never abandon you. He will also strengthen you, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, His grace is sufficient for us and that His power is made perfect in our weaknesses. God finishes the things He starts. God's faithful. Why should we praise Him? Because God is faithful. God is faithful. He's our creator. He's faithful. He's just. In verse 7, it says, Executing justice for the exploited and giving food to the hungry, the Lord frees the prisoner. We don't have to execute justice because God does. God is the one who settles all scores. God provides for us. Sometimes we see our lack, but don't forget what we have. You know, what if, instead of thinking about all the things that we don't have, what if we begin to praise God for the things that we do have? You, you probably have more than you think that you really do. Would it begin to shift your mindset 
would it begin to alter your, your spiritual life if you spent more time praising God rather than complaining or always demanding more? What would it be like? God is just. He's just. He's powerful. Verse 8 goes on. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are oppressed. The Lord loves the righteous. I mean, he talks about the blind here. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. You know, in Mark uh, chapter 10, a man named Bartimaeus is a blind man. He comes, Jesus heals him, and he begins to follow Jesus. When Jesus opens your eyes and you see some things you've never seen before, you want to follow him, don't you? You didn't see some things before, but you met Jesus and your eyes were open and you want to give him praise. I want to follow him. I want to go after him. He's powerful. And God raises people up. Do you see it there in verse 8? The Lord raises up those who are oppressed. So you may be feeling down and out. You may feel overlooked. You may feel underestimated. God is the one who raises people up. David spoke out of personal experience, by the way. He was the least of his brothers. In Old Testament times, the, the, the later you were born in your family, the less significance that you had. David's like the little, 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 little brother, okay? He's at the end. He has to do all of the chores around the house that all the big brothers don't want to do anymore. That's David. He's the least. He's a shepherd boy. But what happened? God raised him up. God is the one who elevates people. People don't elevate people. God is the one that raises people. God is the one. The Lord raises up those who are oppressed. So if you are down, remember God is the one who's going to lift you up. He's the protector. Verse 9 says, God looks out for the little guy. Oh, this is beautiful. The Lord protects resident aliens and he helps the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. This is, this is God's word for people that are, that are uh, the down and outers, people that are struggling. Maybe you're just, you know, trying to, trying to figure it out. Maybe you're a widow. Maybe you're an orphan. You know what? The Old Testament says that God is a father to the fatherless. You may not have an earthly father, but you do have a heavenly father that is looking out for your every need. If you're a widow, put your needs on the Lord. He says here, uh, the Lord protects resident aliens. You know, it's interesting. In the Old Testament, in the Mosaic Law, there were provisions made for people from other countries to come live in Israel and to be protected. Because in ancient times, if foreign peoples came to a nation, they were seen as a threat. And many times they would be arrested or, you know, uh, persecuted in some type of way. But Israel had a way of protecting people. Why is this relevant? God protects the little guy. God is watching over the single moms. God is watching over the, single, the small business owner that's, that's competing against... Uh, the big companies. God, God, is, God is looking out for those who are struggling. He really is. God is the one who frustrates the plans of the wicked there. And you look in verse 9. You know, sometimes we look around and we see uh, people that are doing bad things. And it feels like people doing bad things get better and better and better. And people that are trying to do right and do good 
are the ones that are struggling. But remember, all of this is under the control and the hand of God. And in the end, God will elevate the people that he chooses to elevate. We can trust in him. How you start is not always how you finish. And God's faithful. He frustrates the ways of the wicked. So uh, if he's faithful and if he's powerful and he's our protector, then shouldn't we praise him? I mean, church, can we just stand to our feet right now and begin to give God some praise? Come on, can we clap our hands and lift our voices to the great God that we serve? Amen. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. That's who he is. It is the Lord who reigns forever. Your God reigns for all generations. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's lift him up one more time. Amen. Amen.